to the Lord. Father, we thank you and give you praise today. We thank you, Lord God, that with you all things are possible. So we lift our voices and we lift our hearts as we lift our faith under you, oh God. We pray this morning, Lord, for our unsaved loved ones. We lift them up before you, Father God, asking that you would save them. Lord, that your voice, your word, your gospel would reach them wherever they are, God. Hallelujah. Every place, every corner of the earth. Lord God, every trap, every nook, every cranny. Let your voice reach them, God. Save our loved ones, Lord. Save them, oh God. Save them before it's everlasting too late. We call this morning for the lost, oh God. Hallelujah. Crying that you would save them, Lord. That you would transform their lives. That you would put your grace on them and use them for your glory in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray this morning for our Apostle C and Sister C this morning. Lord, we speak blessing, favor, healing, life over them in the name of Jesus. Strength, Lord God, this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. The blessing of the Lord be upon Apostle C and Sister C this morning in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for Pastor Gardner. We lift him up before you this morning. Hallelujah. As a father in the faith, as a father to the father of this house, Lord, we speak blessing over him. We speak life and favor. Hallelujah. The grace of the Lord Jesus be magnified in his life. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And God, we pray for every EACM church, every ministry, every parachurch. We lift them up before you this morning. Pray that you would bless the work, Lord. Hallelujah. Put your grace upon them. Grace, 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 and more grace this morning. In the name of Jesus. Yes, we pray, God, for every chaplain, every FRC chaplain, every IAC chaplain. We lift them up before you, Jesus. Nothing is impossible unto them. Lord God, bless them on the front lines. Bless them as they go forth in ministry. Bless them, Lord God, as they stand in the gap. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for this great house. We pray for our leaders, Lord. We lift up our bishop this morning. We lift up our Dr. Cheryl this morning. We speak the blessing over the Lord over them. Blessing upon their lives. Blessing in all that they do. Blessing everywhere they go. Blessing everything they put their hands to. The blessing of the Lord that makes us rich and has no sorrow with it. We bless them this morning in the name of Jesus. And Father, we speak your grace over this house. The grace of the Lord Jesus to bring multiplication. The grace of the Lord Jesus to produce miracles, signs, and wonders. The grace of the Lord Jesus to bring exponential growth into this house. Increase upon this house. Increase in all that it does to advance your kingdom. And we pray for everyone watching over live stream. Pray that you would bless them. Bless their homes. Bless their families. Strengthen them, God. Heal them, Lord. Deliver and set free even in the homes. Let revival break out in the homes. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody in this house. Will you help me and lift your voice and shout increase? Nothing is in. 
we welcome this morning Dr. Bob Costa. This man is, yeah. He and Anne Marie, his wife, they are a blessing to the body of Christ in so many ways. Uh, he is not only an awesome teacher, preacher, but this man has blessed this house, Evangel, more than anyone in this season of COVID. I cannot even begin to tell you. But I just am thankful for all that God has poured into him that he so graciously just gives back out. Isn't that what it's about? Amen. So I want you to welcome with me this morning, Dr. Bob Costa. Good morning. I, um, my grandchildren are with us and, uh, this morning, and that is why my wife is not here. And I promised her as we researched protocols so that nobody will be offended that uh, I would do all that I could to keep my grandchildren safe and to keep you safe, amen, from them as well. And so I brought my own mic covers, and guess what? Guess what? They're made in China. Isn't that a mess? (laughs) It is a privilege and an honor to be here today, as always. And uh, I take my relationship... um, I don't want to overstep any boundaries, particularly without her here, but I think it's safe to say friendship with Drs. Jerry and Cheryl Piscopo. It is really one of my most valued and prized relationships. We love these folks so very much, as I know that you do as well. Amen? And I, I have a word for someone in this season... Uh, We are in the most bizarre times. I I, I have never in my lifetime experienced some of the things that we are experiencing. My grandparents came up during the Great Depression, and I watched how it altered the rest of their life. And I never dreamt that I would see anything as cataclysmic and anything as nation-altering as the Great Depression during my lifetime. And they tell me that some of the numbers that are coming out, and you know, it's hard to measure things, but some of the economic numbers that have come out have been greater or higher than the Great Depression, that some of the health numbers and death numbers that have come out have been higher than certain other pandemics, Uh, the Spanish flu, and that's not my term for it, that's what they call it, so if you're Spanish, 
uh, do not be offended. But, um, you know, they tell me that these numbers are higher in this current season. But I want you to know that I feel something shifting. I feel something changing in the midst of all of this calamity. I see God's people being blessed. I see God's people uh, being encouraged. I see God's people being repositioned. And if, if, if I could say to you, uh, you know, I'm not a big one to label something. But if I could, at, at the risk of labeling it prophetic and it just being intuitive, call it what you will. Here's what I see. When a woman is about to give birth, she goes through one of the greatest crises that her body will experience. But do you know why childbirth takes place when it takes place? Because the baby has outgrown its environment. And so it has to go through a crisis to get to the next environment. I feel like the church is getting ready to go to another level because we have outgrown the environment that we are in. And so instead of cursing your crisis, instead of looking at the situation with fear and trepidation, as those that do not have God in their life understand that you have just outgrown the environment that you have been living in. You have just outgrown the level that has been confining you and God is birthing you into a new place of blessing. Can someone say amen today? That's not my message, but it felt good right there. Amen. And it is closely related. Amen. So it sort of ties in to what I am going to share with you for just a little while. If you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, I have no doubt that this verse has been preached from many times in this house. I have no doubt that you quote this verse uh, often, but I have concluded, my brothers and sisters, that if we are blessed, hear me today, if we are blessed, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to blessed. If we are taught, then we are taught to teach. If we are fed, then we are fed to feed. If we are comforted, then we are comforted to comfort. If we are given, we are given to give. Whatever God has done for us and in us, he wants to do through us to make us a blessing to others. Can someone say amen? You know, there's a difference between a spiritual man and a religious man. A spiritual man is on a boat thinking about God. A religious man is in church thinking about fishing. Amen. Your past is in your head, 
but your future is in your hands. When Moses, let me say that again, your past is in your head, but your future is in your hands. When Moses threw down his rod, it symbolized his will. And you'd be surprised what happens when you throw down your will. Because what Moses picked up was the will of God. When you put down your will and say, God, have your way and your will in my life, it will take you from surviving to thriving. Amen. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to talk to you about all things together. All things together. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things, somebody say all things. He didn't say some things. He said all things, the good things, the bad things, the up things, and the down things, the sickness things, and the health things, the rich things, and the poor things. No matter what the circumstance, we know. Somebody say, I know it. We know that all things work together. Now, he didn't say all things are good. He said all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to I'm putting down my will so I can pick up his will. It's not just for everybody. It's for them that are called according to his purpose. I trust him enough that I know that all things are working in my good. I'm not saying it's all good. I'm saying it's all working together for my good. Now, you know, we have a lot of protocols in church. Forgive me for violating a couple. I didn't ask you to stand for the reading of God's word, and I didn't pray after I gave you. I'm already into the first part of my message. Amen. Uh, We've prayed and praised. Is it all right if I just try to flow into something? Amen. My brothers and sisters, I don't know how many of you have had the opportunity to travel our great nation. I think that Out of the 50 states, I've been to 46 plus several territories. And one of the places I kind of enjoy traveling, uh, it's rather different from my Bostonian upbringing, but one of the places I love to travel is down south because I love good food that's bad for me. And if you've ever traveled down south, you know that they have good food that is bad for your cholesterol. Amen. Because everything is fried and it tastes good. Amen.
But they have a drink down south. I go to a little place. There was a, a fella that graduated from LSU, and he started a little place called Raisin Canes. And Raisin Canes is famous for their chicken, their fried chicken, and their sweet tea. And I don't know if any of you have ever had sweet tea before. But if you have never had sweet tea, after one glass, you get type 2 diabetes. Amen. Because it's one part water and five parts sugar. Amen. And somewhere in there's a little bit of tea. And down south, when they bring you sweet tea, if you taste it too fast... <coughs> It tastes bitter. And the reason is, if you look at the bottom of the glass, there's about that much sugar in the bottom of the glass. And what they know that some of us Yankees don't know is you've got to stir it up so that the sweetness is dispersed through the bitterness of the tea and eventually through the stirring, the sweetness will overtake the bitterness such that you will call it sweet tea. Now you, some of you get where I'm going. And some of you are saying, what is this crazy preacher talking about sweet tea for? My brothers and sisters, every once in a while, if you judge a thing too fast, you'll think it's bitter. But God will send a stirring. He will send a storm that is not meant to make you bitter. It's meant to make you better. He will send a stirring in your finances. He'll send a stirring in your health. He'll send a stirring in your family. And it's so that the sweet things that are way down on the inside can come to the surface. It's My brothers and sisters, I don't know if you realize this yet, but it's not a matter of if bad things are going to happen. It's a matter of when bad things happen, are you prepared for bad things to happen? When bad things happen, there's some things that you need to know. Paul said, we know. What do we know? Here's what we know. Some things are not a trial of your faith, but they are a trial of your trust. See, faith is being able to see what God wills for you. The word of God reveals the will of God. But when you trust God, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what's going to happen. But you trust God anyway. When they brought the three Hebrew children to the fiery furnace, the king asked them a question. He says, 
Who is the God that will deliver you from my hands? And they said, because we trust our God, we're not going to bend. And if we die, we die. But because we trust our God, I'm facing a fiery trial. Now, this is not my message today, but let me just give it to you for free. If, if the soldiers... Now, you know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were chained up, right? Okay? So they couldn't really move. They kind of moved like this, right? When the, when the king said, heat the furnace seven times. See, now, if the devil was in charge, it would have been six times. But the enemy didn't even know he wasn't controlling his own fire. So he heated it seven times. Now let me ask you a question. They're chained up, hands and feet, and the soldiers are dragging them to the fire. And the Bible says before they even got to the fire, because it was so hot, the soldiers died. So here's my question. If they were chained up and the fire was hot enough to kill the soldiers, who threw them in? The Hebrew, Dr. Cheryl, does not say that they threw them in. It says fell in the King James Version. But you read it in the Hebrew. It says they jumped. And when they jumped into the fire, the Bible says, the king said, we had three, but I see four. Now watch. See, we get excited about who the fourth one was, and we should get excited about the fourth one. But what were they doing with the fourth one who looked like the son of God? They were walking. Well, wait a minute. When they went into the fire, they were chained up. How were they walking? Because the fire is what you think it was meant to destroy you. It's what is going to free you from some of the things that have been holding you. So this is not as much a trial of our faith as it is a trial of our trust. You see, my brothers and sisters, when we can't trace God's hand, we've got to trust his heart. You've got to trust his heart with your heart. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. When you don't understand is when you have to trust. Verse 6 says, in all of thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Now when you get a gift given to you, how do you acknowledge that you received it? You acknowledge that you received it by saying, thank you. How do you acknowledge God? You acknowledge him by saying, thank you. And thank you is what the Bible calls 
praise. God, based on my own behavior, you could have judged me, but you didn't. My brothers and sisters, I've got a news flash for you. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a heavy revy, a revelation. Watch this. The things that God does for us, he does not do because you are good. The things that God does for us, he does it because he is good. And that's why you got to say thank you. you that's why you got to trust him when you can't figure out what God is doing and you don't have the answer to your situation. God can tell if you trust him by your attitude. Do you know attitudes are always perceptible? Your attitude is an outward expression of an inward feeling or emotion. I can always tell when something is wrong with my wife by her attitude. And how do I know her attitude? It's in her expression. So when I say, what's wrong? And she goes, nothing. I might believe that. But when I go, what's wrong? And she goes, nothing. And I look at that face. I know that something is very wrong. And it's usually me. Amen. When you are trusting God, you don't rest on your faith. You tr your trust has to be what you know by your faith. Because one of the things that Jesus prayed before he went to Calvary, and one of the things that he prayed for his disciples was that their faith fail them not. My brothers and sisters, I have always been known as what is called a faith preacher. But I'm coming to the conclusion that my trust has to be even greater than my faith. If he heals me, he heals me. I believe him to heal me. But if he doesn't heal me, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to serve him just as same there never comes a trial that God didn't see coming he knows everything he wants him he wants us to trust him that he has a plan even when things look bad you know some people never get a miracle because they don't want a crisis and they don't want a conflict and here's the problem if you never had a crisis or never had a conflict, then you don't need a miracle. So you can't have one without the other. Some of you are praying for a miracle, but you don't want the crisis that creates the miracle. I don't need the miracle of healing until I'm sick. They go hand in hand. Trusting God is not based on your believing. It's based on what you know. And before you get into a trial, you have to know that God is good. Number one. And that's not just a slogan to which we respond all the time. And all the time, you know it. You believe it. I believe that you believe it. 
but we have to know it in our heart that God is good. He is not like us. There is not a smidgen of bad in him. That means that when God is on my side, he is always on my side. We have to know that God is with us. We have to know that he won't leave us or forsake us. And if you know that God is with you and God is in you because he takes his abode in you, then why do you worry? Jesus said the unbelievers worry. Now Jesus tells the disciples to get into a boat and go to the other side. Jesus, now in one case he wasn't in the boat, But in another case, he was. He's in the front of the boat, and he falls asleep. And when Peter sees the winds and the waves, he gets so scared that he is not focused on the fact that Jesus is in the boat. Now, if Jesus is who he says he is, that boat is not going to sink. But Peter is so scared, he wakes Jesus up and Jesus rebukes Peter and he says, oh ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And I've always wondered what Jesus expected Peter to do. I used to think that he just expected Peter to be calm in the storm. I came to a recent understanding that Jesus wasn't teaching Peter to be just to be cool under pressure. Jesus was teaching Peter to do what he did and rebuke the storm because Peter had seen him do it before. So Jesus was asleep in the boat intentionally. This is what I believe. You can believe what you want. I believe Jesus intentionally went to sleep to say, let's see what they do. And Peter missed it. Because all he could see was the wind. And all he could see was the waves. My brother and sister, the the storm, the crisis, the conflict is an opportunity for you to go to the next level, as I've already said. To break out of your limitations. And to do God things. The Bible says in Psalms 34 and 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous but God delivers him out of them all there's not one that God won't deliver you from I've I've seen several artists that really sort of amaze me and they're not Picasso and they're not Monet and they're not Rembrandt but I've seen these street artists that start with paint or start with a can of paint or a brush and they start painting real quick to music and you cannot tell what they are painting and then all of a sudden they get done and you still don't know what you're looking at until they flip it over because they have painted upside down and until they flip it over 
then all of a sudden you see what they were painting. My brothers and sisters in this upside down world, God is painting and those that trust him are just waiting for him to flip the script and it's going to be a different vision. It's going to be a different day. You don't see what God is up to until he flips some things upside down. If you don't remember anything I said today, remember this. Life is lived forward, but it's understood backwards. Let me say it again. Life is lived forwards. You can't live in your past. Many people try. You can only live life forwards. But to be successful in living life forward you have to understand things that are in your review mirror. Life is lived forward, but it's understood backwards. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. My brothers and sisters, God has a plan for you. But you have to trust that he's got a plan. A plan to prosper you and not harm you. Don't spend your life climbing what you think to be the ladder of success. And find out that it's on the wrong building. Most happiness comes from relationships. Not things. In a Broadway play at the end of Act 1. I don't know if you've ever been to a Broadway play. But there, a lot of them are pretty much the same. Particularly the classics. They set up this crisis. They set up this fight. They set up this conflict. And when the curtains close during intermission at the end of Act 1, it looks bad. I mean, it just looks bad. And if you were to leave and say, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I don't know why I paid so much money to see this play. If you left over the drama of Act 1, what you would not see is that the stagehands are setting up a new scene because act one is over. New scenery is being put in place. New characters are getting readied because there's a new stage that is being set. New people to take you where the drama of act one could not take you. The drama of act one is over. In the final act, you will see the resolution of the play. So don't leave early because God is not finished yet. Amen. I want you to write this down. Write this down. All is well in the end. And if all is not well, it's not the end. Let me say it again. Write it down. You're going to forget it. All is well in the end. 
And if all is not well, then it's not the end. To those that love him, he will not end on a negative. Now, one month ago, it was Easter, and we weren't in church. And last weekend, it was Pentecost Sunday. And some of us were not in church, not live anyway. Amen. So let me give you an Easter and a Pentecost Sunday message in the next two minutes. God will not end on a negative. Here's Easter. That's why he couldn't leave Jesus in the grave. Because when we come together, we don't celebrate his death. We celebrate his resurrection. Can someone say amen? Because God will not end on a negative. When the disciples after his death were behind closed doors and in fear, thinking that the Roman soldiers were going to collect them and kill them as well. They were praying, and while they were praying, what they did not know is God was assembling the nations in the city of Jerusalem for what the Old Testament called the Feast of Weeks. And at the end of the Feast of Weeks, all nations were assembled. The disciples did not know this because they were praying. They were fearful and they were praying. For 40 days they prayed. The Bible says they tarried. You know why they had to pray so long? Because that's how long it took the Feast of Weeks to get done. Amen. It was multiple weeks. It wasn't just one week. And right towards the end of the Feast of Weeks, when everything was coming to a climax, all of a sudden God stirs up some stuff. And the Bible says out of heaven came a rushing mighty wind. The Greek says it was like a great breath. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat on every single one of them. And they began to speak with tongues, other languages. And all the people on the outside of the house that had been assembling said, How does every man hear the gospel? That's not what they called it. But how does every Every man hear this message of Jesus in their own language because God used the crisis to create a miracle. God will not end on a negative. And we call that miracle Pentecost. And that's what happened last Sunday. Amen. My brothers and sisters, we're in a new day. We're in a new day. And in the end, all things work together for good. And remember, if all things are not well, then it's not the end. You don't want to give up before the end. Matthew 10 and 22 says, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. This is not to depress you, but you need to know that you are either out of a battle, in a battle, or headed to a battle. You're in one of the three. You have to know that God is setting you up, and it's not over yet. 
my grandfather used to be a watchmaker and a gemologist. And I've told some of you this before. For those of you that haven't, it will be a little new. For those of you that heard it, it's still a good illustration. You need to hear it again. My grandfather used to take gold that was not absolutely pure. Now, my culture is Portuguese, and in the Portuguese culture, we use 18-karat gold. In the United States, we use 14-karat gold because it's not as pure, and gold is very soft. And so by having more impurities in the gold, ironically, it makes it stronger. But in Portugal, we have a deeper, darker color gold because it's 18 karat. It's not pure, but it's purer than what you can get in America. And so my grandfather had a lot of Portuguese customers who wanted 18 karat gold, but they couldn't get it. So my grandfather would take gold and he would put it in this blue liquid. I can't remember if it was blue or green or if it was for different things, but he would put it in this colored liquid and all of a sudden you would see these little things coming up from the gold at the bottom. And when, they, when those little things, they almost looked like bubbles, but they were just little impurities that were coming out of the gold. And when they got to the surface, they formed a film. And my grandfather took a little tool and he would scrape the surface of the liquid and throw it away. And at a certain time, he would pull that gold out and it was more pure when it came out than when it went in because fire had been applied to it. The liquid was to protect it from the fire. See, God is putting stuff around you to protect you from the fire. But do you know why he lets you go through the fire? Because when I come out, I'm going to be more pure. I'm going to have less impurities. God is going to be able to use me more, not less. You thought the trial was to disqualify you when God meant the trial specifically to qualify you for what you're stepping into. Can someone say amen? Amen. I've got 10 minutes, and I've got a little territory to cover, so let me go quick. Sometimes the, the fire is to remove impurities from our life and make us more valuable in the process because all things work together for good. All things are not good, but when you trust God, you trust him to mix it like a master chef. I don't know if you've ever tasted individual ingredients, but sometimes they're bitter and sometimes they're too sweet. It takes a master chef to mix them together and make a delicious outcome. That's what God is doing in your life. He's mixing the bitter and the sweet together to make a delicious outcome. In California, firemen who are constantly dealing with forest fires, 
fires. Willing to hear me. This, this is going to be almost prophetic to some of you. Firemen intentionally burn the brush of the forest, uh, the forest bed, because it cleans up the debris and the bramble that is grown at the base of the forest. And trees whose trunks have been burned three to four feet from the base, it doesn't kill the tree. It causes the tree to open up and to release seed. And the burning that happens in one generation releases the seed that causes the next generation. The forest can't reproduce itself until the trees, not the weeds, until the trees release their seed. It's the burning. It's the heat that causes them to release the seed. God will take all things, even fire, to bring forth good things. And if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you'll abuse it. Resentment is inevitable if you don't understand that everything has a purpose. Resentment is inevitable. You say, Dr. Costa, there's no way that God has a plan for everything. And you're telling me he does. And yes, he does. You say, okay, cockroaches. What's God's plan for cockroaches? You ever, do you know what cockroaches eat? No, not everything. Do you know what cockroaches' preferred diet is? Termites. Now, I'm not suggesting that you let your house be invaded with cockroaches. Because you'll have one kind of problem, but you won't have termites. Your wood will be good. Amen. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, Romans 8.28 says, And we know it's not an isolated revelation. It's to all of us collectively. Because when we come together, we are stronger collectively than we are apart. You weren't meant to do life alone. That's why we need a church. That's why we need to forsake not Hebrews 10, 25. The assembling of ourselves together. It doesn't say just gather. That's not church. A group of people getting together is not church. He said, assemble. Have you ever bought something and says some assembly is required? The devil is a liar. That means everything's apart and it needs total assembly. Amen. <laughs> you ought to see me during Christmas. It's pathetic. Amen. Some assembly required. He didn't say just go to church. He said assemble. That means everybody in the right place. That means everybody coming together knowing that I'm an important part and I may not do what Pastor Simon does and he may not do what I do but we assemble together and the body is better because of it we know even in the death of a loved one even in sickness and even in pandemics 
even with money problems, even when there's an assault on your character, the issue on your job, the issue because you don't have a job, the, even the conflict with your neighbor, when God gets ready to send you to the next level, he schedules an enemy in your life. Before David could be promoted to kingship, God had to schedule an enemy called Goliath. The enemy is designed not to defeat you, but to expose the victorious warrior that is within you. The warrior isn't made in the ring. Rocky Balboa wasn't made in the ring. He was made in the streets of Philadelphia. You've seen the movie. The warrior isn't made in the ring. The warrior shows up for the fight. David developed a warrior nature when he killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. And all Goliath saw was a shepherd boy. What he didn't see is the warrior showed up. Amen. Saul hath slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. In every situation, God will deliver you if you'll trust him and hang in there it may not come overnight but it will come over time many of the sustaining miracles of God happen over time and not overnight the beauty of the miracle that happens over time is you are developing faith to sustain the blessing one of the greatest curses you can encounter is to be blessed all of a sudden and not have the wisdom or the strength to carry it. God is for you. God is with you. God is in you. If you're in a bad season, just hold on to your faith. Because all will be well in the end. And if all is not well, then it's not the end. God never panics. Do you ever think that something happens in your life and God goes, oh, I didn't see that coming. No, he is omniscient. He knows everything. Hear me today. Everything is either God sent or God used. Not everything that happens in your life is God sent. Sometimes the devil does something against you, but God can turn it around because your message comes out of your mess. Out of your trial comes your triumph. Out of your test comes a testimony. And instead of the victim, you can have the victory. There's glory in your story. So don't quit your story until you see the glory. All is well in the end. And if all is not well, it's not the end. God either sends or uses everything in your life. Do you realize that a grain of sand is an irritant to an oyster? I come from New England where we shuck oysters. Okay? So more than once I've shucked an oyster and found a pearl on the inside. You may wonder how that valuable, see some of you ladies have pearl necklace. I remember like way back when, 
It, it was a big thing to have a pearl necklace. And if you had one by Mickey Moto, forget it. Amen. That's a pearl, a Japanese pearl company. So I got my wife. We were married for a while, and God was blessing us. And I went out, and I didn't have enough money to get her a whole strand. So I got her one Mickey Moto pearl in a setting on a necklace just so she could say she had a Mickey Moto. Amen. But nobody in that valuable piece of jewelry, nobody takes the time to think how it's developed. It starts with a piece of sand that is an irritant to an oyster. And when the oyster is irritated, it begins to secrete minerals around that piece of sand that eventually forms into a pearl. And what was an irritant became a pearl of great value that someone would buy and wear around their neck or from their ears. Sometimes you marry that grain of sand. No, I'm only joking. Uh, God has a purpose, is what I'm saying. God has a purpose for everything. I was just trying to see if you were awake. You know, I'm just making sure. It's getting late, so we're almost done. God has a purpose for everything in your life. And when you understand that it will eventually be revealed, even if you don't understand it at the time. What you come to understand, what you appreciate, is what becomes value, valuable. If you don't understand something, you can't appreciate it. And you can't appreciate the value of something if you don't trust God. And that is that trust is developed over time. You'll let someone take stuff from you because you didn't realize the value of it. You'll let offense cause you to walk away from God because you didn't realize the value of it. I pray that you value what God is doing in you and what God is doing in this church and what God intends to do through you and through this church. It's one thing to pray and ask God for an answer. It's another to receive the answer. The greatest thing is when God makes you the answer. Because delay has a purpose. You don't understand the weight of something till you understand it through time. I can hold this bottle of water, and it's not very heavy, maybe a half a pound. And I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate the weight of it because it's so easy. But if I stood here for the next hour... All of a sudden, this, this bottle of water, it's feeling heavier already. All of a sudden, this bottle of water would feel a lot heavier. You see, my brothers and sisters, here's why God tells us to have compassion with one another. When you see someone going through something, your first inclination is to say, that doesn't look very heavy. But you don't know how long they've been carrying it. You say, oh, I could carry that. Could you carry it for as long as they have? God, why is it taking so long? 
Why hasn't my ship come in? James gives us the answer in James 1 and 4 when he says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and complete or entire, wanting nothing. Time has a work in your life. You show what you're waiting on by what you're working on. Time educates you. It creates discernment in your life. And discernment is the mark of maturity. Nothing goes away. Nothing leaves your life till it teaches you what you were meant to know. God will use time to expose some things. Patience is the secret weapon that forces deception to reveal itself. What we are seeing in time right now is hidden things that we never dared to believe were possible, much less true. Because time is a secret weapon that forces things to reveal itself so you can understand who the real enemy is, what you're really up against, what you're really fighting. Time also exposes potential in you that was lying dormant, that people could not see. Maybe even you could not see it. You see, you never know he's all you need until he's all you've got. I said you never know he's all you need until he's all you've got. Do you know every problem comes to you through a person? Do you know that every problem is solved by a person? Discernment tells you, is this my problem or is this my answer? And sometimes, if you're not walking with God, it's hard to tell the difference. God's answer, and I'm not, I'm not going to be political, I'm just going to give you Bible. God's answer to slavery in the Old Testament was a person. God didn't assemble the Congress of Egypt. He didn't assemble a government. He sent a person by the name of Moses. Every problem is started by a person, in this case Pharaoh, and every problem is solved by a person, in this case Moses. And all the people that were trying to rub shoulders with Pharaoh and ignoring Moses because he came out of the backside of the wilderness for 40 years tending his father-in-law's sheep, you would have missed it. And when God got ready to rebuild the walls, he didn't convene a budgetary committee of the Congress. He got a person. He didn't pass a law. He didn't pass a budget bill, a funding bill. He used a man by the name of Nehemiah. He didn't find a construction company. He didn't get a bunch of construction companies. He got one man to solve a national problem, a national security problem. 
the answer to somebody's problem. You could be the answer to your problem. Your financial blessing comes through a person. It comes from God. But it comes through a person. You say, preacher, I'm not sure if you're giving us self-help, if you're giving us Bible, Luke 6 and 38. Given it shall be given unto you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men. God is going to motivate men and women. A man, a woman, the blessing is going to be from God because they wouldn't give it to you otherwise. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side. But it's going to come through a man. The problem is always the wrong person at the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. And so God says, my answer is the right person at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. The problem is a person. The answer is a person motivated by God. It's not about what you're going through that matters. It's what you're becoming in the process. Are you becoming better? Or are you becoming bitter? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Do you know something? And, and, and I'm very nearly done. God is not near as concerned about your comfort as he is your development. God will disturb the comfortable and he will comfort the disturbed. <laughs> God will disturb the comfortable. What did the prophet say? Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. God will disturb the comfortable, but he will comfort the disturbed. And all change begins with a decision. The Latin word for decision is decis or decisis. D means off and cis or scission means to cut. It's the state of being cut off. Yesterday, yesterday was my wedding anniversary. And because, thank you. And because I am here in the stead, not to replace, but in the stead, because I am here today in the stead of Apostle C, I'll give you an Apostle C joke. I've been married 66 years. 33 for her and 33 for me. Amen. When I got married to my wife, I cut off the possibility of being with another woman. When you decide what you're going to eat at the restaurant, if you can remember what that was like, 
81 days later. When you decide on steak at the restaurant, you have cut off the possibility of chicken. Unless you're my grandson, and then he tries to eat everything. When you decide that all things work in the end, even if things are not working, you believe it's not the end. You say, but Brother Costa, I'm so broken, and I'm done. Stand with me right now. You say, Brother Costa, you don't know how broken I am. My precious three-year-old granddaughter, I have three grandchildren thus far. My precious three-year-old granddaughter is named Eden. And Eden has a special place in my heart because she is so affectionate and so happy. And it just drives her grandfather crazy to see her upset about anything. So she was coloring one day at my house with crayons. And my, my granddaughter is beautiful and, and cute as she is. She is not the most delicate child. And she's kind of a little brute in a dress. She's adorable, but she, she's... She's kind of a little toughy. But she was coloring with crayons and she broke them. And it made her very upset. And so my wife said, I want you to go to the store. I want you to get the big, thick crayons. So she can't break it. Well, my granddaughter got those big, thick crayons and she was so excited. And all of a sudden she went <laughs> and just broke that big, thick crayon and started to cry. And I was trying to get her to use a different color, and she wanted the blue one. I don't remember what color it was, but she wanted the blue one, not the red one, and the blue one was broken. It was the only blue one in the box. And I believe God speaks to us in those moments. I took the two broken pieces, and I said, Honey, look, they still color, even though they're broken. The breaking did not change the ability to color. And you can paint just as good a masterpiece with broken crayons as you can with whole ones. My brothers and sisters, if you're broken here today, God can still color a masterpiece just as easily maybe in some ways more easily because more of the crayon is exposed raise your hands right now in this moment I don't know what you've been doing I'll be honest with you I don't completely understand this new environment that we're in but I trust God I trust God I would normally call you around this altar for prayer, for laying on of hands, for impartation. But I don't want to do anything that would cause either anyone to be uncomfortable. I don't want to do anything that would cause a violation of local ordinance that could result in the shutting down of this wonderful church. So if Dr. Cheryl will forgive me, we're just going to have a social distance altar call right now. 
Listen, if everything I've said is true, God can meet you in your seat right now. God can heal you in your seat right now just as easily as he can heal you up here. I know it's not ideal. I know it's not ideal. I know that there will come a day very soon, I hope, that we'll be able to do all the normal things that we do. But in this moment, maybe God wants to teach us, you could trust me in weird circumstances. So I want you to raise your hand to heaven right now. If you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I mean, maybe you've professed him, maybe you've, maybe you've said, I believe in Jesus, and I know I should go to church more. But if you have never truly made him the Lord of your life, and you've come to this place this morning, I hope you understand that what I'm saying is that the struggle is so much less. The outcome is so much better. Some people have said, people that have a lot of degrees, a lot of education, they say Christianity is a crutch. Religion is a crutch. Christianity is a crutch. Well, if you're crippled, crutch sounds like a pretty good thing to me. So we come before you today, God, pray with me, knowing that we are broken and we are sinful and we have need of a Savior. Come into my life right now. Be not just king, but be king of kings. Be not just Lord, but be Lord of lords. Be not just somebody, Savior, but be my Savior today. Forgive me of my many sins. Give me the opportunity, because I don't have the right, because of my sinful nature, because of the wrongs that I've committed I have every reason to expect that you would condemn me to hell instead of welcome me in heaven. But here you stand today with outstretched arms because of your great love for me. Because of what you did on Calvary, you said that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, that if any man sin and confess his sins, he will forgive them. Lord, forgive my sin today. I am not righteous, but you are righteous. Impart that righteousness to me. I am not holy, but you are holy. Impart that holiness to me today. And let me receive your salvation. For those of you that are saved, maybe you're in a crisis. I speak a word of faith right now. That you would trust God like never before. That your faith would fail you not. In the moment of crisis, realize that it is just an opportunity for a miracle. 
It is just making space for your miracle. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I say to every person that is sick, be healed. I say to every person that is in need of work, that you will find it if you will but look. I say to every person that is struggling financially, that you can be blessed, that you are blessed. Profess it. Receive it. Claim it right now. Believe it. Trust God for it. Even when the circumstances look different. To every person looking for a church, looking for further instruction, I say that you're in the right place today. For everybody watching by video, all these prayers apply to you as well. Receive them right now in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands, lift your voices, lift your faith. Begin to give God a praise in this house. As your wonderful pastor, Dr. Cheryl, comes and leads us and instructs us further, lift a praise right now. Lift a praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift a praise, he said. Hallelujah. Come on, begin to thank God. Thank God. Thank God. He said that the Hebrew boys, it says in the Hebrew that the Hebrew boys jumped in. So I invite you this morning to lift your hands and jump in with a shout of praise. Jump in, jump in, jump toward God. Jump in, trust God, believe God. Hallelujah, 